From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Brian Mullady. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Thursday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for joining us here on EWTN's Open Line. Father Brian Mullady is in the house. If you've got a question, pick up the phone and give us a call. I will even pay for the phone call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is 1-205-271-2985, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, behind the glass, spinning the dials, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Kubensky and Jeff Burson, handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, the aforementioned Father Brian Mullady, how are you? Just fine, thank you. How are you? I'm terrific, and I told you just before we went on the air that one judgment's not enough for you. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's right. But as well, it turns out, it's not enough for our Lord either. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're coming to the end of the liturgical year. As you know, the first Sunday of Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year as opposed to the calendar year. And we've been thinking about the last things during this time because that's what the liturgy presents to us. The One of the important things of the four last things is judgment. I knew a sister who died of cancer for suffered from it for three years, and she made a tape about preparing for death. And she said, I have for many years looked forward to going to heaven. It's dying I don't fancy. <laughs> And uh, because, you know, we all have to stand the judgment of God then. As you know, we're told in the scriptures that what's hidden will be made manifest. And that's certainly true of the judgment. And there are actually two judgments. We have the individual judgment that each of us experiences when we die. In this individual judgment, God makes known to us, in case we have forgotten it, or aren't aware of it, or haven't examined our conscience, not only the good and wickedness that we did and remember, but the good and the wickedness that we did and don't remember. Now, of course, for the people who are saved, the just, that redounds to their glory, the fact that they did good eventually, despite these things they have in their character. And all of us have some difficulties in our character, except for Mary and Christ, because we all have even venial sins. 
So even these will be revealed to us. But this individual judgment, which is described uh, as taking place at the hour of death, as soon as we die, isn't sufficient because, as Matthew 25 is clear, the things that have been done in secret have to be experienced in the daylight. And that means to the whole assembled creation. So, a part of Christ's office as a judge, because he's actually the one that pronounces the judgment, even in his human nature, is that when time ends, the same judgment that we experienced internally will now be made clear to the whole world. And that includes the whole human race for all of time. And what we did that was good will be, you know, um, contribute to our um, depth of union with God and also it will be clearer how much God's grace has done for us. And what is wicked, well, if it's been a part of our conversion, will demonstrate the power of God more deeply. But if it's not, remember, the people with the goats have to go to, the, to hell, really. Uh, Christ says, depart from me. And they're sent into the hell, prepared for the devil and all his angels at the beginning of the world. So that will add to their suffering because what they had in secret now will be known by the whole human race. So, for example, if a person had secret thoughts of vengeance or evil or something, they may never have shown to anyone. This doesn't remain secret at the Last Judgment. At the Last Judgment, Christ himself proclaims it to be the case, and it uh, adds to the glory either of his judgment or the glory of his grace, or it adds to the sadness of his condemnation. But remember now, he doesn't do this except to reflect what we've already done. So the Lord didn't create the world to send people to hell. He created the world to send people to heaven. The fact is, however, though, that because we can choose between good and evil in order to arrive at good, that also allows us to choose evil, and even secret evil, that no one may know but ourselves in our own heart and in our own conscience. So the important thing is, as we prepare to end one liturgical year and begin another liturgical year, that we have to look deeply into our souls and to see those places where either we've offended God without knowing it or we've knowingly offended God but tried to keep it to ourselves. And we need to cleanse ourselves of these issues and these difficulties. So in the Advent, which of course is the season that follows this immediately, it's a time of penance, it's, but it's not like Lent. 
It's a joyful time of penance because we're looking forward to the birth of Christ. But we need to prepare our souls to be a fit manger in this world in which our Lord may be born again so that when the second coming occurs, this great second judgment may be something that we participate in openly, but again, it adds to Christ's grace and does not detract from it. Therefore, in the end of the year, let us prepare ourselves to participate in the beginning of the year because the whole circularity of time and eternity now will be renewed, not like the calendar year, which is just for a year where you have harvest and death in the winter and, and spring planting and that kind of thing. But it will be renewed so that the uh, entire year becomes a representation of the entire uh, passage of time. And a center and well, important passage of time in this regard is our own participation in eternity already. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Uh, you know, Father, the uh, the general judgment is a, a source of great anxiety for some people, but, um, you know, if we're followers of Christ, if we find ourselves uh, worthy of um, redemption, uh, that's probably not the right word, but but uh, if we if we escape the judgment that we hope we escape, we really don't have anything to fear from the general judgment, do we? No. In fact, the general judgment will point out not only where our own evil has contributed to our conversion and therefore to the power of God's grace who can save us even when we're lost in a way. Uh, it also adds in the good to the proclamation of the good as a preparation for heaven. 833-288-EWTN, a couple of open phone lines at 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Dominican Father Brian Mullady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. I want to invite you to visit EWTN's site dedicated to Mother Angelica, our foundress, where you can celebrate her remarkable life. It's filled with photos, milestones, heartfelt stories, and her wit and words that have inspired the hearts of all ages throughout the years. Simply visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica today. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. 
833-288-3986. John is a first-time caller in St. Louis, Missouri, listening on Covenant Radio today. John, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Uh, hello, Father. Um, my name is John, and um, I have a question for you that um, I don't really have an answer for, and um, it has to do with the fact that um, I recently uh, started going back to Mass because I I haven't for a year or so, and um, I've been going with a family member, and um, every time we enter the church um, and to bless her, you bless yourself in the holy water, this person makes the gesture of doing it, but never touches the water. And I've seen this happen several times, and I don't know if I should say something, or what should I do with that? Uh, well, you mean they put their hand in the font, but they don't get all the way to the water? Yes. That... Yeah. Uh, nothing. I think it's just the person... It's absent-mindedness, and it's a person who's used to doing it this way and and that sort of thing. We often don't perform uh, liturgical customs with the fullness which they were intended when they were made. So, I, you know, I've known people go into church to just bless themselves, and they you wouldn't even know they were doing it. <laughs> They put themselves, you know, they used their hand as this offhanded gesture. But um, no, I, I think it's just a matter of absolute mindedness. Thanks, John. We appreciate the phone call today. 833 288 EWTN is our toll free number. 833 uh, Pat called in from one of the loveliest villages in the world, Fairhope, Alabama. And she wanted to know at the final judgment, in follow up to your to your opening, in, fi- in at the final judgment, will people I lied to or offended behind their back come to know about those sins, even if I confess them in life? Uh, yes, they will, because it's all a part of their own relationship with you and yours with them, because nothing's hidden that won't be made plain. So. Uh, the knowledge of it can add to the goodness or it can add to the person who feels well converted because then they realize that they've, people realize they've converted. But also, just think, having all the people in all creation know about your wickedness or your deceit, um, that can be a, powerful the um, negative experience um, I don't know about you but I have dealt enough now with life I'm almost 80 that uh, I don't trust anyone anymore because I used to trust everyone and I was burned so many times by people who said all kinds of things behind my back but wouldn't tell me. And it was just so strange, the whole thing, when I'd finally find out. And 
I've actually had people in jobs that portrayed themselves as my best friend. And then in a, even after 12 years or 15 years or 20 years of knowing each other, they did me in. And it's, it's very sad when that happens. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Jeff is in Denver, Colorado, listening on Catholic Radio Network. Jeff, you are on with Father Brian Mullady. Good morning. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. In, uh, in First Timothy 3, uh, God tells us that God, that he desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I wonder if he gives everybody sufficient grace for that, or if he gives different grace to some people, maybe more grace to some people. Well, God definitely does give more grace to some people, and because he loves them more. No one will ever be as loved as Mary. But he gives sufficient grace, because he sufficiently loves everyone, enough for them to be saved. In other words, to go to heaven. He doesn't hate anybody. He hates the sinner, the sin, not the sinner. So, uh, yes, the answer to your question is yes and yes, but to just opposite things. Uh, he does love everyone, but he loves some people more than others, but not to the detraction of the people that he loves enough to give sufficient grace of conversion. If for nothing else, you can say that Christ died on the cross is sufficient, should be sufficient cause and sufficient grace for our own uh, conversion of heart. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Kind of in keeping with the theme today, Zach writes in, what's the role of Satan in the world? Is he bound or unbound? Well, that sounds like a Protestant question, to be frankly. Uh, it's true that God tells Satan, for example, in Job, to go and, you know, wander the earth up and down trying to convert people. But he doesn't mean this is a positive command. He's allowing Satan to do it because he could keep him from it completely. And what Satan is trying to do is basically reproduce in us a condition which he experiences himself, which is that in his first great choice, he was given the choice of choosing self or God. Now, we have a similar choice, but ours takes our whole lifetime to realize because we're not angels, we're human beings. So in the first great choice, and we in our life choices, um, if we prefer self to God, then at the judgment, Christ basically says, fine, you want yourself? That's what you have to live with. And that's hell. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're created to live in loving communion, first of all with God and then through God with other people. And the fact that we are left to ourselves, um, you know, C.S. Lewis has a wonderful book called The Great Divorce, 
in which some people from hell are given a chance to go to heaven. But the problem is all they can do is worry about themselves. Uh, like the professor who is a priest who sent himself to hell basically by questioning the faith wants to be sure that they have free discussions up there. Otherwise he won't go. And so it's the way C.S. Lewis does it is uh, he, the professor goes back to hell so he can have free, of discu free discussions singing an angle in a hymn called City of God, How Broad and Far. <laughs> so, because we're, uh, the sad thing is that it's, all, it's either ego-centered or God-centered. It can't be both. And uh, we have an email here from uh, Shane, and he says, How can I, as a convert, discuss my conversion in a way respectful to my wife, who is not at all happy with me becoming Catholic? Well, the first thing is you can't beat her over the head with it. Um, you know, you can, um, at certain times or certain places, speak about how happy it makes you to be in the fate. But if she doesn't respond you can't really push it or force it on her in fact it's it's, it's like teenagers <clears throat> the more you push a teenager the more stubborn they become in holding what they're going to hold and the same thing is true of a person who hasn't yet converted to christianity Michael is up next. He's a first-time caller in Iron Mountain, Michigan, listening on the EWTN app. Michael, you're on with Father Brian Milady. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Father. The, the, the question I have is about annulments. I was just granted annulment, and maybe out of scrupulosity, I'm thinking that there's something that I did that caused fraud on the Church to allow me to become married— but then later on, the church found out. They said, no, you are not legally married in the eyes of the church. And my concern or scrupulosity is, is there something that I should confess, that I need to confess? Is that one of those things that I did without knowing? Uh, it, it, sort of, it bothers me. Uh, I'm happy for the annulment, but I'm bothered by the, by the, by the concern I have. Well, you may, in fact, have done something wrong. But that doesn't affect the bond of marriage. Uh, that has to do with how you live out the relationship. Uh, the, the fact of an annulment is the recognition that there was no marriage. And usually it's because of people, um, they're immature and unable to make the commitment necessary for a marriage. And they could show that in a number of ways, one of which is they could be cheating the day they got married. Um, even though they're free to marry and even though they say the words, if they truly meant the words in their wills, it would lead to a certain conversion of life, which they don't do. So, uh, no, I, I don't think you should worry about that. The church has investigated the bond to see if you were or your wife were mature enough or free to marry enough to do it, and they determined that you weren't. And so that you, you needn't uh, trouble yourself anymore about that. 
833-288-3986. That's our toll-free number. It's a free telephone call anywhere in North America, 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Pete in South Dakota, Sabrina in Colorado, Tom in the great state of Iowa, and we've got plenty of time for your calls, 833-288-EWTN. It's Open Line Thursday with Father Brian Mullady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Next up is Pete in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, listening on Spirit Catholic Radio's app. Pete, you are on with Father Brian Mullady. Yes, uh, I recently attended my niece's wedding, and uh, she's baptized Catholic. However, uh, not married in the Catholic Church. Am I of the sin of bearing false witness if I attend that wedding? I don't think you're bearing false witness, but what you're doing is proving of what's going on by your presence. And since you don't seem to approve of it, it seems to me that... uh, you're um well you're basically living a lie <laughs> and you don't want to do that uh, i don't mean to intentionally do that but that's what you're basically doing because uh again your presence indicates that you per- you personally agree with what's happening and if you don't agree that it's a good idea for catholics to be married um, you know, outside the church, then you have a responsibility to show that by not being present at the wedding. Thanks, Pete. We appreciate the call today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. We head next to the great state of Iowa. Tom is listening on Iowa Catholic Radio. Tom, thanks so much for holding. You're on with Father Milady. Yeah, thanks. So my question is, if a person, a person of faith who has been baptized and confirmed in the Church, um, still believed but had not uh, practiced for a while, um, as an example, uh, as far as I know, hasn't been to a reconciliation for uh, you know, since he was confirmed, um, and had since passed away in that state. What is the Church's teaching on that? Um, it was unexpected. Uh, we weren't able to give him uh, uh, anointing of the sick. Um, and then we had uh, one of our priests uh, say a blessing at his funeral. Um, so I, I was just wondering what the Church's teaching was on that. Well, regards that people's individual destiny with God, we don't really know because we don't get we are not in their conscience or their souls. What we do know is that the chances are that you're going to be at peace with God without ever practicing your religion. Again, it seems to be hypocritical. 
and you need to be straight, you know, with yourself and with others. So um, I know a Protestant minister, he's a, I'm pretty sure he's a fallen away Catholic because he's Puerto Rican. But one day I wrote a thing on Facebook about divorce and he wrote back and he said, well, I don't agree with divorce, even though I have one. <laughs> so you wonder, well, don't you see the contradiction in that? Uh, if you don't believe in it and that you've got it, I, I mean, what does that say? I think a lot of people today have a great deal of difficulty living the truth they do believe in. And I think people in the past whatever they considered the truth or falsity, were much more uh, upright, at least as far as living the truth they believed in. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It is a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Rick is a first-time caller in Springfield, Missouri, listening on Catholic Radio Network. Rick, you're on with Father Milady. Yeah, hello, Father. Um, yeah, I've been a, a Catholic for seven months now, and I'm wondering if you can ease my discomfort with the Pope inserting himself in politically charged issues like uh, climate change and uh, transgender events things like that. You know, even in our um, diocese paper, there was a big article about how he uh, he talked about climate change and something needs to be done, and even went as far as uh, promoting a world-authorized uh, body with, with authority to take care of the issue. That just makes me feel uncomfortable. Can you ease my concerns there? Well, I'd be uncomfortable, too. Um, No, I can't really ease your concerns except to tell you that the Pope is a man just like every other man when it comes to things that aren't religion. And if it doesn't have to do with doctrine and morals, he has a right to his opinion just like everybody else does. The fact that you use the papacy as kind of like a bully pulpit to further your particular political or environmental or whatever designs is something that uh, is sad and shouldn't be done. Also, uh, I do know that we're having some difficulties about this blessing of the marriage business, uh, this transsexual or whatever. Um, You know, you can't bless something that's evil. And I know the Pope has said he thought it might be able to be done. But he hasn't said definitely it can. And I think that's just because he says it because he wants to be nice. Um, So I, I can't ease your concerns about that except to tell you that I don't think any of those things bind us to belief. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate the call today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 
833-288-3986. Rebecca is in Northport, Alabama, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Rebecca, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Yes, Father. I have a question about if Jesus said in confession he forgets our sins and in when we receive the Eucharist, our venial sins are forgiven. Is it is gonna be is it all gonna be dragged up again at the judgment if Jesus has forgiven and forgotten our sins? Uh well unfortunately yes. <laughs> because again, if your sins have been forgiven, that shows the glory of God and his power. And, uh, especially, and especially if the sins are hidden, and many people do have hidden issues, uh, they will be shown to others, yes. Uh -huh. So that should be an incentive to address your own interior soul and what you really think about other people. You know, Rebecca, I think one way to look at it is, you know, as, you know, the Scripture talks about the Lord putting the sin as far as the east is from the west. And, you know, I think, Father, correct me if I'm wrong, but that really sort of refers to when he's considering your judgment, he puts those things away. If they've been confessed and forgiven. Well, not exactly. Not when it comes to the last judgment or to the personal judgment. I mean, in the judging your life, Christ wants you to see the good things you did, the bad things that you did, and the places where you converted where you should have done them. And it's not that he's dragging them up as though they weren't forgiven. What he's trying to do is convince you of what your participation, your personal participation is in grace. And in the case of the Last Judgment, he wants to show what that personal participation is to the whole creation. So, um, I think the point I was making was that the, the those sorts of of passages from Scripture really are more of a reference to your particular judgment than to the general judgment. Well, no, no, I, I think those things will all be stated at the general judgment. But again, the, the things that might be wicked, even venial sins, which aren't really that wicked, <laughs> the things that you do that might be wicked that you converted from and had forgiven, they will demonstrate the strength and the power of God's grace. So they add to his glory. You know, Everything is to add to the glorification of God in Christ. And the fact that Christ pronounces these things demonstrates that he is the final judge. Not in the sense that, again, this is wicked and this is not, and we don't know, but in the sense of publishing them finally for the edification of the faithful if they involve conversion of heart and confession. Next stop for us is Fort Collins, Colorado. Pamela is in Fort Collins, and she is listening on Catholic Radio Network. Pamela, you're on with Father Brian Mullady. Hi, Jack. Hi, Father. Uh, Father, I wanted to know um, if my mother, she, she has ALS, and it's very hard for her to communicate. She can't really be understood very well. I'm going to advise her to have the priest come give her anointing of the sick. And I wonder, I'm assuming that can be done, even though she's not communicative. 
And also, um, would she be able to um, receive the sacrament of reconciliation if she has a confession, but she can't say a confession to a priest? And she received that sacrament also. Well, if she can't confess, she obviously can't go to confession. However, uh, she can experience um, absolution, presuming she, a conditional absolution, presuming that she is sorry for her sins. But she has to be able to make some manifestation of conscience, even if it's just by blinking or, you know, where you ask her she's sorry for her sins. Any manifestation of conscience would... Uh, you know, be sufficient. Now, um, some people are just, they're so out of it, they can't do anything. Well, they can't go to confession, obviously. But you can give them conditional absolution because you assume that they would be sorry for their sins. You know, we bring you the Holy Mass from Our Lady of the Angels Chapel every single morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio. And you can catch it every other hour on EWTN Radio Essentials. For more details, visit EWTN Radio or EWTN.com slash radio. Next up is Brett in the great state of Michigan, listening on the EWTN app. Brett, you're on with Father Milady. Well, hello, gentlemen. Hello, Father. How are you? Fine. Well, good. I'm glad. Um, I just had a question about uh, word and communion. Um, I was visiting another parish uh, out of state, and they had word and communion because the priest wasn't available, and uh, he was just a lay person. He wasn't a deacon, and uh, they also had adoration beforehand, where he, this same lay person, uh, actually opened the tabernacle and took Christ out, placed him in a monstrance, and uh, he said a few of the prayers beforehand, um, and then he went on to have uh, Word and Communion, where he actually gave a homily, and he raised his hands uh, over the Our Father and offered a peace unto us, and uh, people gave him peace back, and uh, I, I thought to myself, like, well, I don't, this doesn't feel right, and then, this doesn't matter, but it kind of does. Uh, he's openly homosexual, but yet it's up to him whether or not you know, the priest and him, maybe he's not practicing the actual act. I didn't try to, you know, point that out, but I just do think that has a little bit to do with what, what I saw, too, and I just wanted your, your advice on that. Well, first of all, I have to tell you I didn't understand what you asked me because I've never heard of Word and Communion before. Uh, I think what you mean is spiritual communion or have a communion service. Um, I suppose a lay person, uh, a lay person could lead it. I'm not sure it's a good idea to have a homosexual lead it, an avowed homosexual that everyone knows is a homosexual. Um, but uh, there are certain instances in which, uh, because the priest now can't be present, people do that to, you know, especially if it's Sunday, to try to you know, do as much of the Mass as possible. But again, you have to be very clear about the fact that all you're doing is attempting to have an adoration service. I remember I told someone that uh, the Mass wasn't a communion service. It was primarily a sacrifice. Uh, 
And this uh, woman told me, well, you know what you said was right because we were down at the beach and there were no priests at this chapel. So sister gave a communion service. So after it was over, my friend said, gee, I like sister's mass a lot better than father's because it's much shorter. <laughs> she hadn't tumbled to the fact that it's a thir very important point missing which would be the consecration. And uh, and also, I'm not sure it's a good idea to represent the Mass as much as possible because, again, that confuses people. What you want to do is be sure they know this is not Mass. This is a communion service. Next stop is Waterford, New York. Paul is listening on Pox at Bonham Radio today. Paul, you're on with Father Milady. Oh, thank you. Oh, Father, great show. Okay. Oh, could you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good, good. Yeah, that's uh, that's great uh, advice about the conditional uh, um, uh, confession for people, even handicapped people or whatever. That's wonderful. Um, I just wanted to share with... Uh, you know, some of the people that um, may be concerned about their sins and everything like that. Um, something St. Paul said, and I don't have the biblical reference, I apologize, um, but he did say, who are we to judge ourselves? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that scripture always gave me peace. Um because, uh, you know, I served in the Navy, I served honorably in three ships. You know, uh, some of that time you're, you're in a, think, um, thanks be to God, I wasn't in uh, uh, maybe a couple war zones, but nothing uh, serious. But, you know, uh, you, you do start judging yourself and wondering, oh, my God, you know, but, I, I think it's just a, a great uh, thing St. Paul said. Who are we to judge ourselves? Okay, great. Thank you. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. We head to the great state of Connecticut. Al is listening uh, on Veritas Catholic Radio today. Al, you're on with Father Brian Mullady. <clears throat> I, I would like to know the origin of the church teaching on First Fridays. I, I I did the first Fridays in the belief that it would assure me a happy death. By happy death, my concept of happy death is access to a priest before before I expire. Well, that would be a part of the promise. Uh, the promise was given in the apparitions of the Sacred Heart uh, to Margaret Mary Alacoque by our our Lord, the Sacred Heart. And uh, it, it would include the ability to have some access as far as possible to the sacraments and that you would avail yourself of them. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. We could probably mm -hmm. still squeeze a call or two in at 833-288-3986. Mary's watching us on YouTube, and she says, Since the Pope is guided by the Holy Spirit... If someone slanders and blasphemes against the Pope, are they committing the unforgivable sin? Uh, oh, no. The unforgivable sin 
it's a very mysterious concept, first of all, because no one has, Christ didn't name what it was exactly. But uh, my opinion is that the unforgivable sin refers to denying the authority and efficacy of the sacraments because then you don't have a uh, ability to experience the Holy Spirit's action because you denied his action in the uh, um, in what he did. So, for example, uh, the sin against the Son would be when people say the Son, Jesus' family, who say that he's out of his mind. But the Holy Spirit is when the Pharisees say it's by Beelzebub he casts out Beelzebub. In other words, they seem to deny the fact that it's God alone that can remove Satan from our lives totally, especially if you're possessed. And th that uh, since they do that, they're sinning against the Holy Spirit. Kate would like to know, how do you reconcile the infallibility of the Bible with statements in the Bible that say Jesus would return soon? Um, oh, well, um, oddly enough, I've never heard the word infallibility when used in the Bible. I think you mean inspiration, especially the truth. Uh, because Christ himself tells us also in the Bible that we know not when the day or the hour is, but we should stay awake and be prepared because it could be tomorrow. In other words, these judgment nuts I talked about at the beginning, you could have them tonight. You're, was Christ a fool? This very night your life may be required of you. And what difference does it make that you manage to uh, accumulate the whole world but not God's grace? So it's an attempt to emphasize to us the what divine watchfulness. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Drew wants to know, what are the general Catholic theories on predestination and how it relates to God being oh, outside of time? Oh, you want to know that in two minutes? <laughs> um, look. A part of God's predestination is that he predestines us not only to choose our own destiny, but he knows what we're going to choose, but he doesn't cause us to choose it. We choose it ourselves, but he knows, of course, what the answer will be, which is him being out of time. So he doesn't predestine us to the sense that he withdraws his grace and expects us to act properly. That's more of a Calvinist way of looking at predestination. We don't believe in double predestination. You're basically predestined to heaven. The fact that you choose hell is again um, a result of the fact that your choice is a part of your predestination. Um, Ryan has a question. You, well, yeah, I'll just read the question. Is there anything I should be cautious of when reading St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas? Not St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, St. Augustine, the one thing you should be cautious of 
is that he did not have a developed theology. Most of his theology was written to answer practical problems as they came up, and especially is this true of, Chris, of sacramentality. So he doesn't deny our idea of the sacraments, but sometimes the way he says it uh, can seem to be denying it. So you need to be rather careful of that. But other than that, both of them are doctors of grace and truth and faith. And as you know, the one opinion in St. Thomas that was always the one place where they say he was wrong. And when you consider in 50 years, he published thousands of pages of theology and Immaculate Conception is something that he would have probably affirmed had the church in the West affirmed it strongly. And actually one of the arguments against it for him is that the feast is not celebrated in Rome. He didn't, didn't think Mary had ever committed any sins, but his idea was she has to be among the redeemed, which is what our idea is too. We just use Scotus's theory about how this is not possible. And since she has to be among the redeemed, he couldn't see how this could be the case without her at least having the ability to sin. But Scotus said it was in light of looking at her participation in Christ's actions that God kept great sin from her, either actual or original. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Brian Malady, our producer, Michael McCall, our call screener, Matt Kubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line Thursday. Back at it tomorrow, we'll have our very own Vice President of Theology, Mr. Colin Donovan, in the house taking your theology questions. So uh, tune in tomorrow, same time, right here at 3 p.m. Eastern time for Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan. Until we get together then, God bless. Oh,